I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12 Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone services chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over Pac-12 countries stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more. Offer a fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit Nextiva.com slash 12-Pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 1-2-P AC to get started. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12 pack radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Bader and College Football Statistical Model, and this is a sharp college football podcast. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. And Rob, I, I, have, I have some personal news. I, before we started this podcast, I, I went to the store. I was feeling a little lethargic, right? <laughs> got, you know, I went two and three against the spread, and it'll pick me up. And I got a Stumptown cold brew that had, the, the one that was on sale had oat milk in it. And I thought, okay. Okay, okay, all right. Like, so I'm jacked up, right? Like, lots of caffeine in those cold brews, but it tasted like oatmeal. Like the whole the whole entire drink was just that like, sounds awful. Oh, it's terrible. It's like taking like really nice champagne and pouring it into like orange drink or Sunny Delight. Like, it's just really bad. But I am fired up. I'm ready to go, Rob. How are you, sir? You are. I'm I'm fired up despite this oat milk. I'll just keep making a sour face all through. So bad. It's like really good coffee, and they just like, would you like this to taste like oatmeal? And, and would you like to sadness? strain this through, strain this through some Quaker oats? Yeah, sure. Why not? Sounds great. Oh, uh, so Pac-12 football. It was. I I really thought that this week. By the way, uh, 12 Pack Radio on Twitter, Sharp College Football on Twitter. Um, sharpcollegefootball.com is where all Rob's numbers are. And of course, Sharp College Football on YouTube. Rob, looking at the Pac-12 week five, I thought it was going to be the Empire Strikes Back, right? Like I, I actually yeah. felt pretty good about the picks. And I like there are those weeks where you go, oh my gosh, I'm taking favorites, but I'm okay with it. And that was last week. And and lo and behold, like the favorites didn't quite do as as well as we thought. We we called the Washington State game, which was good. I thought that we, but of course, like the one the one game that I wanted to bet, I I didn't know if Delora was playing in time to place it, so I was watching it like cheering on Washington State, but uh, unfortunately wasn't able to get the bet in on time. But um, Oregon goes down. Washington, even though they weren't a favorite, but I think, you know, like on paper, I think a lot of people were like, ah, maybe they'll get together, you know, maybe they'll actually finally figure it out. Uh, they end up losing. And, um, you know, UCLA was favored in that game. They go down. They were. Yeah. Just it was it was an interesting week. 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was really interesting to see, I think, too. And and this week is the first week that Beta Rank doesn't have any projection data in it. Um, a week earlier than we would do that usually. But it was really interesting to see because, like, there had been some teams and some units that were in a lot of ways still being held up by their projections because they've been kind of scuffling along in their play. Um, and, of course, there are, like, the really obvious ones like Washington. But Oregon, the numbers underneath the hood hadn't been great. I mean, and some of that was that the model basically thinks the Buckeyes defense is garbage. But <laughs> Oregon – you know, kind of scuffled along against Fresno, certainly, you know, against Arizona, um, you know, letting Arizona do more than you would have expected offensively, even though Oregon did generate a lot of turnovers. Um, and then I, I mean, I don't want to take away not having Moorhead there to play call plays is a big thing for Oregon, but you know, the kind of scuffling along really caught up to them and, and they lost to a, a Stanford team that frankly, hasn't been that good <laughs> overall, right? I mean, this is a Stanford team that even like, I mean, you could say with the wrong quarterback, but they certainly lost to, to Kansas state to start out, you know, the season, um, you know, like not, I mean, it's tough. I mean, in teams like that, we had seen, I mean, I thought, I don't want to, I don't want to overthink like what we saw from Cal this last weekend, but pretty bad, right? Like, um, but it, it'd be to your point, right? Like the, the teams that we had sort of thought and you know might be favorites coming into the season, um, you know, and even after the first two weeks, right? Like after we saw UCLA take down LSU, we saw Oregon take down Ohio State. Um, and they both fell flat on their face. And really, Arizona State sits on top of Beta Rank in the Pac-12 right now. Um, and it's the offense, actually, that's been was good. They were really good offensively in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. So to start the podcast, we always go through our big thoughts and just big picture things. And the way that Jaden Daniels played in this game, and, and we've, you yep. know, we've been, I'm not critical of him personally, but more just, I need to see it. And I really need to see it. And I saw it in that game. I mean, he yeah. was Excellent. And I, I also think UCLA secondary probably sucks. Not good. Like, Not good. And, and we had kind of flagged that, but it was more the reason I picked UCLA was because I assumed that Daniels wasn't going to put it together through the air because I hadn't seen it yet. And yep. just re- like I had so much fun, even though I had a significant, not a significant, but like a decent amount of money on UCLA. I really enjoyed watching Jane Daniels rip my heart out and eat it like on live television <laughs> because he was so, so fun and was all over the place and was making big plays and was throwing the ball down the field. He was hitting his receivers where he needed to. I, I mean, we'll see if he can continue that, but at, at that week in that game on the road, if that's what I'm going to get from Daniels, I'm all in. We need to see a little bit more of it. But man, he was just, I mean, I can't give him more, more accolade. Like we've just been, we've just wanted to like, and I, you know, even though yeah. we've been critical, like I've wanted to see him take that step and he did last week. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I really thought he did. Um, you know, he was in particular through a couple of really pretty deep balls. I thought that were on the money um, and really set ASU up. Uh, I thought really well. And like we learned, I mean, like we had taught, I mean, like we talked about a little bit like, um, you know, UCLA's defense had, you know, was a little bit held up by their projection. And and that projection was built off of that small sample from last season, man, like that, like uh, that, that appears to be a mirage and that they, you know, as an hour never really put it together defensively for the Bruins. And this, this UCLA defense is, is not good. Uh, this is a, a pretty solid conclusion, you know, coming out of this, but like, 
right now, I mean, the, the conference, I mean, you can, you can talk yourself into like Oregon figuring it out. You can talk yourself maybe, I mean, if you're feeling, feeling it, like maybe USC even figuring it out. Um, but there's just a lot of, I mean, you know, outside of ASU and Oregon state to a, to a certain extent, like it just doesn't feel like that there's anybody clicking right now. And of course the way the PAC 12 is going to go, you know, somebody's going to stub their toe, but it's also true that like none of these teams are, none of these teams are Georgia, right? Like all, you know, Arizona state could go out and have a bad night and lose to, to nearly anyone in the PAC 12. Um, even though right now they're, they, they do project as the best team in the PAC 12. Yeah. I, uh, I, I guess like another big picture thing would be Oregon. And I want to talk even bigger more in terms of their playoff discussion. So one, one of the things I, was, I really like the cover three podcast, I think those guys are really good. And there's one thing that they mentioned that like, I kind of disagreed with. And they basically said that Oregon was still in the playoff race yeah, I mean, maybe I, I just think that because the reputation of the conference, if Oregon goes ten, like 11 and one with a loss to Stanford now, it wasn't overtime. I guess that'd be the thing where they say, well, you know, it wasn't overtime and, you know, they did play the game close and all that stuff. But man, I just feel like the committee's looking, <laughs> looking to put some other teams in, particularly if the Pac-12 just kind of falls flat um, and, and just looking at Oregon man, Brown just didn't play well. And no, and you can say whatever you want, Oregon fans. I know that there were some targeting calls and all that stuff, but like Stanford stopped you on fourth down on a bad read, likely by Brown and, um, and Stanford beat you. <laughs> they just did. I mean, like, and, and yeah, CJ Verdell got hurt. CJ Verdell got hurt in the third quarter and frankly, wasn't very impressive. Um, and I, I just like you lost, you lost on the road at the farm and that happens to teams and you can't do that if you want to, if you want to make the playoff. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the big things here too, is that certainly while, you know, I, I don't, th- I don't think Oregon's playoff hopes are done. And I'm going to, uh, I, I'm going to say that I think Ohio state would then the offense for the Buckeyes right now is grading out at number seven. Um, and that is, you know, with, uh, having had uh, their starter out for a game and uh, the starting QB out for a game and, you know, Stroud still figuring it out a bit. I think Ohio state's defense is going to improve a bit as the season goes on. And I think they're still going to have a pretty good year. And that's what Oregon is, is partly going to have to hang their hat on. They're going to have to go undefeated down the stretch for sure. There's no room for error anymore for the ducks. But I do think that Moorhead being out is a, pretty big mitigating factor that you can point to. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like if you guys remember last year in the playoff with Tony Elliott, Clemson's offensive coordinator had got, uh, had to miss the game because of COVID Clemson scored on their first drive. And the first drive is almost always scripted, right? Like the OC drives that draws that up beforehand. And then after that, it was like, all right, well now you're on your own. (laughs) It did not go well. (laughs) Like, Play calling is a skill. Uh, and I think that's probably the one that you can really point to um, that I think if you're, but I mean, I think, you know, there are, there are larger issues at play here. Um, you know, that if you're, if you're Oregon and that is, you know, like Stanford, sure. You know, like Oregon, you know, like they, this is, I mean, 
Baderink does not have this offense grading out particularly well at all. Right. This isn't the first week <laughs> where they've had problems, you know, um, you know, it hurts against Stanford because Stanford's defense isn't grading out particularly well. Um, but there's just not a lot. I, I think if you're looking at this, you know, like this Oregon squad, I mean, they have to really show significant improvement over what we've seen as well as they likely need some of their competition that they've played down against up to this point to get better. But I don't, I mean, here's my, here's my question and I don't want to overdo this, but I mean, this, I was just, I wasn't expecting Oregon to play the way they did against Fresno. And I wasn't expecting Oregon to play the way, I mean, the, the, the win in Columbus, we were there. It was great, but I wasn't expecting like that a little shines off of that. Cause the Buckeyes defense gave up, you know, a bunch of yards and points to Tulsa. And then you have the way they played against Arizona and the way they played against Stanford. It just, it feels like one of those ones where you're left looking and you're like, there's just so much talent. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to turn around and be like, like, don't be Clay Helton, Mario Cristobal. Don't George like Sean Miller. Like, don't just waste a really talented roster. But it does feel like for all the talent in the world, you know, like, you know, the it just it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're they're actually like it doesn't feel that the product on the field in any way matches up to their recruiting. I mean, I I think if Moorhead is is the OC, yeah. they win that game. I, uh, but they're still scuffling. I think even if they win, I think even with Moorhead there, they win by 10, man, if Oregon's like a legit, honest to goodness, great team and living up to the talent on that roster, you should beat his team by like Stanford by closer to three touchdowns. The thing, the thing that was weird there was that, oh man, that pick by Brown was real bad. Um, yeah. And he had, for the most part, taken care of the ball up until that point. I mean, throughout the entire year. But, you know, they ran for 200 yards, but it didn't feel like it. I mean, I watched that whole game. And I, yeah. if you look at the box score, it's like, all right, they were able to move the ball. But, man, they had to work for it. And I didn't like that because I I, I really thought Oregon was going to win this game because Stanford's run defense isn't good. And yeah. they weren't able to – like, I thought Oregon was going to dominate the game the way that Cristobal would want to, right? We control the lines of skirt, like his big thing. We're going to like grade the road. We're going to run, like we're going to run it down your throat. You're not going to be able to stop us. And that's going to be the game. And that was not the way that game played out. I, I think Stanford's better than I think a lot of people do. I really do like their passing game. I think it's quite good. And I thought that their defense stepped up fairly well. And if we get that from Stanford throughout the year, I mean, they're they're gonna win eight games, and eh, maybe not eight, maybe like seven, seven or eight. If if their defense plays, and now it's not gonna play that well the whole time. So I'm not saying, yeah. but it was a good enough defense. But even then, Rob, the defense that showed up in that Stanford game, I just was really disapp- disappointed with the offense, and it reminded me of watching the offense win. Um, uh, oh my gosh, the guy, the quarterback for Texas Tech now, <laughs> like. Oh yeah, Chuck. Just yeah. just not great passes and couldn't move the ball down the field. Uh, minus the really creative cl- like play calling. So I don't know. I, yeah. I I I still think Oregon's good. They're yeah. start the, the injuries are starting to pile up on the defense, which is a problem. And I guess when you take a look, I guess last last thing about the the playoff picture. If you take a look at the other teams, right? One team out of the Big Ten's going to make it. Um, it'll be like 
you know, Penn State or Ohio State or um, it's not going to be Michigan. Iowa. Do not, dis- yeah. no, do yeah. not discount the Wolverines who have some pretty good games out of their belt. Oh, totally. Yeah. And they're going to they're going to punch each other in the face and one of them is going to come out. And then there's that last spot. And is it Cincinnati? Because uh, I think it's going to be two SEC teams. Like if you don't put Georgia and Alabama in this, what are you doing? Like those those teams are really, really good. Um, yeah. And I think the the committee is going to be willing to do that. Um, so is a one win as a one last Oregon going to get in over Cincinnati? <laughs> I don't know. Right. I mean, probably that, that one is a little tougher. I, I do think, I still think it's hard. It will be hard for the committee. Let's, I mean, here's the scenario that like, let's say the Buckeyes make a run, they knock off Michigan, they knock off Penn state. I think I, I would still think Ohio State, if they can get the defense fixed by the time they would face Iowa in the title game, is in a good spot, right? Like I think I think Ohio State could win that game. If you're if you're the like that's your ideal situation. Like if you're Oregon, you want Ohio State to run the table from here on out and win the Big Ten and only have one loss. And you, then you run the table and only have one loss, right? Because then, you know, like you can sit there, like you can sit there, like the argument, then it feels like it's going to come much more down to you and the Buckeyes. And you've got that in your back pocket, that one in Columbus, Um, you know, because like it, but if it does come down to like, say Ohio State has four losses or something like that, right? Or three losses, you know, and doesn't win the big 10, you know, and you've got, you know, like, you, you know, if you're Oregon, then like you're, you're in trouble, right? Like, um, you need the Buckeyes to at least make the big 10 championship game. Um, you know, and, and to be able to have something there to really stand on, uh, because you're right. I mean, I do think that if Cincinnati fully runs the table, I mean, but the other part, I mean, it's not just winning out. I mean, Oregon just has to play better. I mean, yeah. they have to play a lot right now. They're grading out at 93 and effective pass. I mean, they're passing games putrid and they're not defending the pass particularly well either. They're at 51. I mean, Arizona was able to throw the football on them. Stanford was largely able to throw the football on them. Fresno was able to throw the football on them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got some glitzy picks. That's but... that's three of the better passing offenses in the country. Right I mean, now, Arizona. <laughs> no, no. You, well, yeah, I know. I, yeah, that, that one, I, I, I have wiped that game out of my mind. I just, you I know, know like, I know, but here's the thing. I wanted to wipe it out of my mind, but it like, when you put up the data, you're like, Oh, that's actually seems like a symptom rather than just like, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Okay. All right. And, and by the way, when we're talking about the playoff, like I'm assuming that Oklahoma is going to lose a game because that team isn't that good. <laughs> Which is a bummer because oh, they're, they've been scuffling along too, yeah. big time. Yeah. Um, so I think if it's between Oklahoma and Oregon with a one loss, like I think maybe they give it to Oregon because the Ohio State. But you're absolutely right. It just comes down to they need to be dominant and they need to be able to play uh, better. And hopefully Moorhead comes back and the, that offense gets a little bit um, stronger. I don't know. Do you know what the deal is with uh, the running back with uh, Verdell? I haven't heard yet. Um, on. And he, quick he's he's the better oh mean, no it mm-hmm. says it does so i don't know the it doesn't it doesn't say what exactly but he's gonna miss some time um it looks like significant injuries i think there'd be more recent news on that he's their best back like i know die oftentimes gets but i like if i if i had to pick between who's carrying the ball for me right now it would be for 
And well, uh, and, and, and yeah, and the, the injuries are piling up a bit on the defense too. Yeah. Get that depth. That's why you recruit. So we'll, we'll see. Um, all right, Rob, we talked a lot about Oregon. Let's get into the games coming up in week six and let's review the week five games and let's do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. Week five taking a look at some of the games. We're going to preview week six. If you're new to the podcast, is the way we do it. We take a look at the games that are coming up, and then we discuss the games that those teams had played in the previous week, and then we kind of match those those findings up and decide who we are going to pick against the spread. Rob, there's only four games this week, so at the end of this, we'll, we'll have a couple games for some teams that aren't actually playing. So where do you want to start, though? Let's, uh, let's start with Utah-USC. <laughs> <laughs> So, a game, a game that it, it feels like every year for the. I mean, like USC, of course, has been not great, and then Utah has been pretty good. So it's been a competitive game the last couple seasons, and it always feels important. It does not feel very important this season. No, no, and and let's take <laughs> let's take a look at USC's win, and of all the spreads, that one, I just I just should have pulled the trigger on it. It was seven and a half. The hooks. We both me. took USC in that game. Yeah, we took. Yeah, I just didn't bet it. Um, so, yeah, we, yeah, you're right. We both, we both took USC, but it was more, <laughs> am I going to put some cold, hard cash on this? And the reason was that my hesitancy was, I didn't quite know where USC's headspace was and Colorado. I, I just think, you know, Colorado was going to stop USC from running the ball. Cause everybody stops USC from running the ball. And I thought this could be a possible rock fight where you, and, and just looking back, I'm like, that was stupid. <laughs> Like USC is a better team. Colorado can't move the football. And that was it. You know, sometimes the lines are just staring you in the face and they're just telling you to pick them. And then we, we kind of overthink it. But what did you think of this, this matchup? Oh man. I mean, how like USC does not have a good defense. <laughs> so no. like, I mean, I mean, at some level, right? Like Minnesota, the Minnesota golden Gophers who lost a bowling green at home who shut out the Buffaloes <laughs> like Colorado. This is almost a step four. I'm sorry, bus fans, but like 11 points, like hurrah. Or I mean, what did they get to 14 points? They sorry. Get, yeah, 11, they got two 11 first downs, um, 242. I mean, like, but to, I mean, I, I sort of thought like, all right, like if there was a time that this Colorado offense, would you just have to get it going by default? USC has been, you know, under the hood, so, so bad on defense this season. Um, you know, you figured they'd have to get it going, right? Like, and, and boy, was I, I mean, I, by have to, I mean, like if they were, if there was going to be a time, this would be it. And it was not, um, they could not get it going. They basically gifted USC with, um, some pretty good field position. Um, you know, like, and it was, Oh, just an incredibly rough game for the buffs. And, and then they were able to, I mean, I think, I think one of the more interesting things out of this though, is that, I mean, Colorado's defense 
looks really bad. I mean, really bad because USC's offense is all right. They're really good at throwing the football around, but they haven't run the ball. Well, they ran the ball all over Colorado. Yeah, that was a problem. That was a problem. Um, I also think if you can't move the ball and I'm, if I I have to go back and remember, but pretty sure USC fumbled the ball, like, you know, deep in Colorado's territory. And so that 14 points for Colorado is kind of misleading. I think like, I think they were gifted one of those touchdowns basically. Um, but if you take a look at what USC was able to do, 225 yards rushing on the ground, this is a team that sucks (laughs) like with a capital S on both sides, um, at running the ball. And they just ran for 225 all, all over you, Colorado. And that's a problem. I do think some of this though, is like just fatigue. Like if you can't move the ball, I mean, just, we talked about this a little bit last week, but if you don't have the depth and your defense is on the field all the time, like it is soul sucking. And I mean, oh, that, yeah. that's just the situation I think Colorado's in. But if you flip it on the other side, my goodness gracious, like 10 for 17, 162, like that's about as good as I think Brendan Lewis is going to get right. Like, <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, here's where I'm at with this Colorado squad is like, I kind of wonder if they're going to get worse. Cause I wonder if they're going to quit. Like, that's what I kind of worry about. I'm so excited for it. Like the Colorado Arizona <laughs> game is like the PAC 12 equivalent of like UMass playing UConn. <laughs> like it's one of those yeah. stupid games that I'm so excited to watch because it's going to be so dumb, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if the team's going to quit. It seems like, yeah, you know, and, and it seems like Colorado is the COVID mirage team where last year uh, I really did like Carl Durrell's leadership. It seemed like the team under really difficult circumstances put themselves together and they played well and they were interesting and they had a culture and that. So I, I don't quite know if they're going to give up. I'm, I'm going to put a little bit more trust in the head coach, but I am, I mean, we've been off on the offensive coordinator since, since it was announced that he was staying on. So, I mean, Chiverini, I think is, it, it's a problem, but how much do you think it's, it's a problem of scheme, you know, versus quarterback? I mean, I think it's both, but right. how, like, where would you put that balance? I mean, I just think it. look, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I think it's odd that people are like making this the Carl Durrell. Like we've seen this movie with Chiaverini. Like this is Chiaverini's offense. Yeah. <laughs> like I do, I mean, I do think it is both quarterback and, and scheme, right? Like I don't think he's a particularly talented play caller and schemer. And I also don't think Lewis is, is a very good quarterback. So that is a very bad combination. You know, flipping over to USC, cause we will, we'll be able to make fun of Colorado for like the rest of the year. Um, <laughs> So like we'll see. Um, but you know, taking a look at USC's performance in this game, you know, Slovis, a nice bounce back game, 19 for 29, three touchdowns. They were able to rush the ball. And Drake London, by the way, had like so so I that's actually let me let me take a step back now. I just I just complimented Slovis, but two of those passes for about 70 yards were just Drake London. They had nothing to do with Keaton Slovis. Yeah. I mean, some of those catches that London had, he is just such a monster. And yeah. it's such a bummer that he plays for USC because if he played on another, like, I mean, I, I, I guess that sounds bad, but whatever. Like, if Drake London was playing for another team, he, everybody would be talking about him across the entire country. Um, but Clay Hilton was your coach, and now he got fired, and Drake London is, like, impressing everybody on the Pac-12 network. <laughs> so, like, that's a, yeah. that's a problem. Uh, but, like, you know, this matchup against Utah, let, let's assume that we're getting the full USC, 
like to, and that a full USC might be a B minus or a B. Um, what do the numbers look like when we're matching them up against Utah? So Utah's defense is scuffling along a little bit too right now, unfortunately for them. Um, but they, they've been better against the pass than they have been against the run up to this point. They're at 39 and effective pass 83 and effective rush. Um, you know, this Utah defense, uh, I mean, it's, this is going to be an interesting matchup because USC, as we know, will, will still try to run the football, right? Yep. Um, you know, like they're, they're going to, they're going to have, you know, pretty, pretty balanced play calling. Um, and I, you know, so I, it, it is going to be a question. Utah's going to have to be able to step up, um, and, and really, you know, shut down this, this USC rushing attack, um, and then force them to beat them through the air. Right. Cause it, they're, they're going to be in trouble if they find themselves, um, also giving up, you know, rush yards to USC. Now USC doesn't have a particularly mobile quarterback in the way that, um, Utah has been burned when they played, um, you know, BYU, but it's not, it's clearly not ideal. Um, you know, and, and this Utah team, you know, that even though they beat, you know, suddenly red hot Washington state last time we saw them, I mean, they weren't, they were great in that game. And, and, you know, Garantano, you know, who's not, I mean, without the interceptions, uh, from him, you know, he has a decent day, 25 or 36, just three of those incompletions went to Utah. That's a, I mean, that's like, that's a little bit of a concern there for me. I think, I don't think I, I mean, so, I mean, I think for me, the question on this side of the ball is like, I really, you really do have to see Utah step up and, and, and like most teams have been able to do, you know, shut down, you know, USC's rushing attack and force the Trojans to, to, to get the ball to Drake London and beat you. Ah, so the line of this game is three and USC's favored at home. Like I, I want to take Utah because I don't trust USC. I think when they play good defenses, like you can really figure out Graham's offense. Yeah. They can't run the ball very well. I don't, I mean like I know they have other wide receivers, but I don't trust Graham to scheme them open. And it's kind of like YOLO to Drake London. And I'm out on that. <laughs> like um, now, I, I know the last time that they, um, you know, they beat Utah at home, it was like the YOLO with uh, I forget who the quarterback was, but they, they were just tossing the ball up. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But my goodness, you know, if you flip it around, do like, you do you trust Utah? Yeah, that, that's the point. So, and, and here's the thing that was interesting was that um, there was five sacks that USC had against Colorado. And I do not try. I don't trust any of these offensive lines. Actually, it's going to be like eight sacks in this game, 10 sacks in this game uh, from both. Like, you know, when you combine both sides, I know, Drake, Drake Jackson's playing really well, right? Like the, the USA defense stinks, but Drake Jackson's playing really well. And like Ludwig is fine, but he's not, he's going to do whatever. He's not going to do anything that we haven't seen before. God, I think I got to take USC and I hate it. Um, I just, I mean, USC's defense has been awful, awful this year, right? Like under, like sneaking along beneath all the storylines is the fact that like they gave up all those points to Stanford. They're really scuffling along, but I just, this Utah offense is not, 
even with the switch at QB, right? Like rising came in in that San Diego state game. We've seen this a couple of times with a couple of different QBs this season. Like somebody comes in late in the game, a little bit of a change of pace, right? They make it work. Then they go out and play the next game and it's like, Oh, Whoa, what was that? Right. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think rising played particularly well, you know, against a not great Washington state defense, right? Like, um, and, and I, I mean, I think Cal, which we're going to get into <laughs> has their own problems, you know, on the offensive line. I, I think Justin Wilcox's hires are coming home to roost. Um, but that said, like, I just, I don't, I don't think that this, I don't think that this Utah offensive line can protect rising enough to make a game of this, right? Like yeah. U- Utah right now, they're at 41 and effective rush, 71 and effective pass. I mean, they get a USC defense. That's definitely given up some yards in the passing game. They're at one Oh three and effective pass 79 and effective rush. But I just, I, I like, I think the Trojans, I like, like Bader Ranch got them at four and a half at home, a little over. I, I'm going to take the Trojans here. Yeah, I don't like it. I'm going to do the same and it worries me. But like yeah, and and I kind of have a similar thesis where I know Utah's going to get to Slovis, but Slovis is used to getting just you know, I gets hit all the time, right? Yeah. Whereas I don't know about rising and it's rising on the road and he doesn't have anybody on the outside. So as long, you know, like if you can just keep the tight ends in check, I don't know if there's really anything else you can do. The one thing is like, can rising move? It's been like, yeah, he's, he's definitely the more mobile. That's one that like, you can, like I said, like you talked yourself into that one. Why not? Like cam rising, like, but then cam rising. Cause I mean, to be frank, like, if you could take away the run game with Utah, like you kind of feel like you should win the game, right? Like Washington state couldn't, but that, yeah, Utah offense looked bad against Washington state. So I, I just, I'm, I, I'm, I, I, I will take the Trojans because I think in the end, I think Slovis to London is, 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 is a good enough, is good enough to get it done. Okay. Yeah. I agree with you. Gross, gross, gross. Okay. <laughs> All right. Where do you want to go next? You want to do the marquee map? <laughs> Arizona state and Stanford. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. That I mean, that, that'll be an interesting game. So the line on this is 11 and a half. And that's just, that surprises. I, I get it, right? Like, we have to take a look at the matchup. But we also have to take a look at pace. And yeah. I know this. What, what, so what is what are the numbers for ASU's defense, like split out between rush and pass? Right now, their secondary is at 27 and effective pass. They're at 43 and effective rush. Yeah, and their their effective pass number has come up significantly after last week's game. Um, they're now at thirty they, on offense. They're at sixteen in effective rush, thirty one in effective pass. Sixteen at rush, thirty something. What what at the pass? Uh, they're at thirty one in effective pass now, uh, which they were they were like eighty last week. So this is a big improvement for so, them. So here's the worry about giving the points, even with the pace. Is ASU just a better version of UCLA? And UCLA just throttled Stanford. I mean, throttled Stanford, but they controlled that game and they controlled it on the ground. Like ASU is going to do the same thing. They're just a better version of that. No, Stanford stinks stopping the run, right? 
I mean, they were, they're at 92 in effective rush. They're at 43 in effective pass. You should be able to run the football against the Stanford team. ASU pretty good at running the football for the most part. And like the, you know, and they didn't, they didn't do it as much. They didn't have to do it much against UCLA. You know, they can mix in Daniels running the ball as well. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, get to some more points that way too. I'm worried because of the, like, right. My, everything in my, in my bones tells me 11 and a half with Herm is a lot. Yeah. But ASU is going to control that game and they have a good secondary. And I don't know yep. if Stanford's going to be able to score a ton and it's on the road. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, so I've, I mean, Baderank has this at 14 for ASU. Um, you know, Stanford's offense is not grading out great right now. Um, I mean, part of it is that UCLA game. Part of it is, you know, they, they had a decent game against Oregon, not a great game against Oregon. I mean, they're not, they're not lighting it up offensively. I would say, um, I definitely, I like ASU in this game. Like I, I think, I think their offense really, really was good last week. Um, and I think, you know, their Stanford's defense is even a little worse than UCLA's, and I, I think that they're going to be able to to move the football. I'm gonna, I'm going to take the Sun Devils here. So Daniels, but here, so here's here's the only, like I basically said, ASU is a better version of of UCLA, but um, they're not going to run as many plays, and they're not going to push it as fast. And I don't think what we saw from Daniels is what we can expect for the rest of the year. But they're still going to control the game. It's true. I mean, I, what I do wonder at though, is like with this offense, it really did feel like that their, their explosiveness is there. Right. And I feel like that's what could potentially break this open. Right. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. They're going to be able to run the ball and they're going to be able to hit the ball or they're going to be able to hit some deep shots over the top. Once Stanford gets sucked in trying to stop the run. Yeah. Plus Daniel's going to be able to run all over him. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take ASU. I think, I think, um, I think they're just going to be able to control the game. I don't like, I don't like taking big spreads against Herm, but uh, no, or Shaw. I mean, like, <laughs> it feels, it, it feels like regardless of the matchup in this one, because I mean, regardless of like the team strengths and everything you do want to take, you know, you still feel like you want to take, you know, Herm in this area. You still want to take Stanford just because they could tighten this up. But I also just feel like, I mean, cause Herm is going to be more than happy with the 10 point win is the problem. But I, I just, I, I think, I think Stanford, I think, I mean, it's just hard. Like it's hard for me to see the Stanford team putting it together two weeks in a row like they did. And I think, I think Arizona state's played better over the season than say Oregon has up to this point too. Yeah. And even if Herman tries to slow it down, like I don't, I mean, Vanderbilt ran for what, like two thirty on yeah. Stanford. I just think they're going to be like, even if he slows it down, they're still going to score on the ground. And I just yep. don't see any, I don't see any world where, ASC or Stanford scores more than a touchdown on the ground and gets more than 130. And then they're, and now they're throwing into the teeth of like, you know, they're dropping eight. Okay. Yeah. I'll take ASU. That's, that's a big spread to take. And with two people that slow it down, but, um, all right, let's, uh, let's get, we have two more games to cover and let's do it right after this. 
All right, we're back. Two more games, and we'll, we'll run through some of the teams that, that played last week but, you know, are off. And, and <laughs> for some of the teams, I think they're pretty excited to be off this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where do you want to go next? Uh, let's do Arizona-UCLA. Let's save the Beavs okay. because they're they're red hot. And oddly enough, this is a tight spread. 16 points. UCLA's favorite on the road. Arizona showed a little bit of signs of life. Um, well, a lot yeah. of signs of life. They were able to move the ball a ton. There was just five interceptions <laughs> that happened five. in between <laughs> all of the yards. Um, let, well, let's let's talk about UCLA here, right? So ASU just straight up beat UCLA, yep. and uh, Daniels played well. The running the running game got got what they were going to get. We just, we assumed that that, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to back up a little bit. Like, I, I assumed that UC, UCLA's run defense was going to be stronger against ASU. And I was wrong. No, you're right. I mean, it was, um, you know, like UCLA and, and a lot of this too, is the story is in this game. It's just a lot more big play. I mean, UCLA ran a lot more plays um, than ASU did. ASU hit big plays and they were yeah. able to mix big plays in. Meanwhile, UCLA was consistently having to drive up and down the field to try to put up points and that killed them. I mean, they just couldn't keep up. Right. I mean, ASU, you know, ran the ball 33 times, you know, put up 177. That's 5.4. Man, it, you at UCLA put up 200, but it was on 52 rush. <laughs> they ran, <laughs> and a lot of that was Dorian Thompson Robinson, right? I mean, he ran for almost 100. Yeah, and I would uh, almost, to your point, I'd almost like not count those yards. I mean, like I, you have to count them and all that stuff. But if you're watching that game, he was getting a lot on the ground, but it was kind of in the third and fourth quarter when the game was out of reach, right. and yeah. you could see he was looking down the fields, and he just kept booking it because he was able to move the ball. But it didn't matter at that point. Right. No, I agree. And I mean, by the time, like, you know, ASU really, I mean, it was a tight game coming out of, you know, halftime, of course, right? Like, you know, ASU was only up by four, but, you know, then they went up, you know, they, they put up the eight points in, um, uh, in the third quarter. And at that point, it just kind of felt like out of reach. Like UCLA wasn't, it wasn't doing anything offensively in that second half. Um, and, you know, even though they would put up some yards, they weren't able to, you know, get down the field and, you know, they, they, you know, ASU had a really good defensive game plan, um, particularly in the second half to tighten things up. Um, just, you know, it was, it was, it was a really, I mean, it was, the, I mean, we're talking about the Bruins, just real I mean, in a lot of ways, really tough performance, but I mean, the main, the offense had its problems, but you feel like the main problem in this game was, was really the defense, right? Like, I mean, people are kind of focused on the offense, but the, the defense was their real problem in this game because they could not in any way shut down the Sun Devils and they gave up some really big plays. Yeah. And and was, it was on the ground and through the air and the thing that really broke my back. So I had the under in this game, which almost hit in the first half and I had UCLA. The thing that really killed me in the second half and just killed UCLA was there's a couple runs on the ground where UCLA's tackling and their angles weren't really good. And you just went, Oh, like they didn't give up the touchdown, like the big play touchdown, you know, where the guy breaks for 80 yards and nobody touches them and stuff. It wasn't that it was breaking for like 30 and then breaking for 30 again. And then breaking for like, 15 and it just yeah I, God, that that that's really frustrating if you're a ucla fan you're watching that you're just going there's no way that we're gonna really tighten the screws here and be able to stop some of this stuff yeah i mean with all that said i still like i think that 
ASU's rushing attack is pretty good um, or is, yeah. is quite good. So I wouldn't, I'm not going to like downplay the, um, the defense, like the front seven from UCLA. Like I'm going to knock them down a few pegs in my mind, but I still think that they're okay. It's the secondary Rob that I think is just not good. And we've seen that like we, we were talking before the podcast, there's a couple teams whose units I still don't like is ASU or is Oregon state secondary good. I don't quite know is like, there's a couple things like that. I, I think I know that UCLA's secondary isn't good. Um, and if there's any, like if Jordan McLeod at Arizona, like puts it together and we don't know if he will, um, right. with an extra week to prepare, I do think that Arizona could keep the game close. Oh, I think UCLA is at 84 and effective pass. They're at 49 and effective rush. So yeah. there's definitely a split there. Arizona, even with those Gunner Cruz games in there, <laughs> is at 46 and effective pass, right? I mean, if McLeod can just not turn the ball, and that might be asking too much. Yeah. But if he can just not throw a bunch of picks, then Arizona, you think, is going to be able to move this ball. Um, you know, and it is true. I mean, we talked about this a little bit, like, because McKee was so off on that game against – UCLA too. I mean, I don't think that this UCLA defense is like incredible, right? Like, I mean, it's not just that they had a bad night. Like, I, I don't think that they're very good in coverage. Um, and I think that that's, uh, I think you're like, that is something to watch out in this game because this Arizona offense, I mean, let's not, I, I mean, I don't want to put too much. I don't, I don't want to put too much stock in what we saw for one night <laughs> against Oregon. Um, but you you do feel like they can move the ball, um, you know, against against this UCLA secondary, um, and then UCLA's offense, right? Like they 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 have been unable they were unable to it felt like against ASU to get anything beyond Dulcich. It felt like it felt like you know it was Dulcich or bust, uh, and and then when UCLA had to throw when they were behind. Um, you know, like they really struggled with that. I don't know. I mean, like the Arizona's off Arizona's defensive numbers right now are really getting pulled down because the model is dinging Oregon for their best game being against Ohio state offensively. And they're dinging Arizona for playing terrible against a very bad San Diego state offense. Um, so I don't know. I mean, this, this Arizona defense is going to give up some points, but it, it feels like the spread is a little high. Um, beta rank has it at 12, 12 and a third. Yeah. I don't bet this game because nobody knows, like just nobody has any idea what McLeod's going to do. If, if McLeod has his head on like straight and is just like modestly competent, (laughs) I think Arizona covers, but if he's going to throw three picks, UCLA is going to win this game by 35. And yeah. you just don't quite know. I'll take the points. I, I do think that Arizona can move the ball a little bit against a, uh, UCLA and they're at home now. It's not like, yep. you know, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's so bizarre because usually at Arizona stuff, it's like the, the, the locals show up more than the student body. And it's, that yeah. seems to have flipped where it's like nobody from Tucson's going to go to this game, but you know, the student section will be like three quarters filled. Um, so I like, you know, the home field advantage is more just going to be, you're not sleeping in your own bed. Um, it might be a little bit loud when it's like, you know, third and three, but yeah. I don't know how 
you know, it's 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 like it's like playing a game in the farm where I think oftentimes people always say, oh, the farm, there's no home field advantage to that. Well, there is because you're you're not playing at home <laughs> and like right. the, the home team is more comfortable playing there. So yeah. I'll, I'll take the 16. I um, Is there anything else you want to say about UCLA, though, uh, before we move on? Or are you pretty good on that? Front? I mean, Thompson Robinson, I mean, just as, as Hall was able to against Arizona. You know, Thompson Robinson's going to get some yards in this game rushing, and that could crack things open too, right? Arizona State was able to limit him enough, um, but he could be a real, real problem for Arizona. Um, And and, and Dulcich could too. I mean, Arizona, where they've really struggled in coverage, of course, is, you know, with the linebackers and safeties. So Dulcich, you know, on routes over the middle could be a problem. Yeah, I absolutely think Arizona's going to give up a lot of points. I also think that they're they could score a decent amount in this yeah. game if 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 Jordan McLeod can figure it out. And hmm. It's weird because you normally don't like a buy this early, but the buy came at the perfect time for Arizona. Yeah. Right. Like to be able to potentially install more with McLeod and get him, you know, more ready to play. Yeah, a little bit more healthy. Um, I think the front seven for Arizona isn't terrible in terms of like you know. Uh, now <laughs> that uh, you have to like wipe that San Diego state game off of the face of the earth to think this way. But um, right. I mean, I, cause I watched them against BYU. They were pretty good against the run. I liked what yeah. they were able to do against Oregon in three quarters. And, and I just, um, yeah. you know, I, okay. All right. I'll take the points. Um, all right. Last game here, Oregon state, a three and a half point road favorite going to Wazoo, going to the Palouse after two giant wins. Possible letdown game here, Rob. Possible like and we actually mentioned this. Uh, you know, there's a lot of letdown games at Washington State. We should talk about Oregon State's game, you know, like which we kind of buried the lead, right? Oregon State 27, Washington 24. Um, yep. This game was so fun. Did you, did you get a chance to watch this? I did. I did, yeah. What did you think? I mean, it was it was awesome. I mean, congrats to the Beavs. Um, you know, they were able to really salt this game away against Washington. Um, you know, they played, you know, chance Nolan didn't have to do a whole lot. You're, you're not, I mean, this Washington defense is legitimately good. Um, but I I thought, you know, the, you know, the beeves were able to do what you need to do against Washington, which is run the football. Right. I mean, there's no take it away from that. Right. Like they, you know, BJ Baylor, Averaged 5.6. Fenwick averaged 5.8. Nolan even got in there and got 30 yards on the ground. Um, you know, like they were good running. The, and, you know, they got, you know, they got a lot of people involved. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it says something about, you know, where Washington find them, finds themselves where you have a pretty good defense and you still give up 27 points to Oregon State. And you only gave up 40 yards passing, 48 yards passing, right? Like Washington has a clear weakness um, and they don't have a good offense at all, right? I mean, this offense is terrible. The thing, so I was trying to, and I'm wondering if you watch this too, keep an eye on the safeties. Like they started bringing them down. And as I was watching it, I didn't see a whole lot of that. Um, And one of the things that drove me nuts was when Jack, I had the under, so it was actually great for me but you know Oregon State puts in Jack Coletto and I'm like why are you defending the pass like this guy never throws the ball <laughs> like he, there was multiple times where Jack Coletto got the ball and like in the wildcat or whatever they do they do that weird formation 
and um and then ran for like five yards and gets the first down and i'm like you fools like do do the you know like in madden where it's like the all-out blitz like show throw everybody at that line and force coletto to do anything because he's not and washington didn't do that i i did did you keep an eye on the safeties and some of the other plays yeah, I mean Washington didn't really change. Like what they they didn't they did the same thing they did against Michigan, right? Which was just stay in the too high safety look. Um, their defense is designed. They really have some really talented edge players, whether those be linebackers or you know when they line the linebackers up on the line. And it's designed to to funnel people outside to the the edge play. And they just don't have the talent in the middle to to be able to hold up the point of attack. Um, and they, they, and they stuck with it. I mean, and they deserve to lose the game for, for not being flexible enough to adjust. You know, flipping it to Oregon state, Dylan Morris was uh 17 for 26. He had a touchdown and a pick, you know, it's so, so I was watching this game live and, um, and we had talked about Morris. I got it. What, what were, what were his yards here? Let me take a look. Uh, he was 142, 17 of 26 for 142. Damn, do we call that? I think we said we might have said 170. Um, or maybe did we say two? Yeah. Anyway, but we said he was going to throw a pick, and he did. Um, so I'm tweeting out that oh, there it is. There's that pick. And then I'm, I'm literally tweeting, oh, and by the way, Nolan's going to throw one too. And I, I sent it out like five seconds before he threw it. It was awesome. Huh. <laughs> I freaking nailed it. Um, and, uh, you know, like, but I guess, I guess more of the point being, if you're Oregon state, um, this what like, you didn't face a good offense and they ran for 176. Right. And Morris, you know, holding him under 150 is fine, but like, I guess that's fine. Right. I mean, I think we, we might've thought he was going to get 200 max. So, okay. We'll give right. you like a modest win there, but what is this defense, Rob? What do the numbers say about Oregon state's defense? Cause they're going to need it against Washington state. I think that's a team that can move the ball. Well, the other part is, I mean, and we'll get into this in just a second. I mean, Washington state's defense is sneaky, pretty good. Um, oddly enough, I didn't realize that in the full data, they were really getting held down by the projection. Washington state's defense is kind of is struggling a bit, right? Like they're at one sixteen in beta rank. Some of this is the Delora being in and out. Um, you know, in the games that they've had and they had a really rough game again. I mean, that game against USC is holding them back. Um, you know, and the fact that, I mean, too, that then that loss to Oregon state, uh, I'm not Oregon state, Utah state, you know, like they, again, like they played Garantano half of that game. Right. Um, I think some of the quarterback switchings really hurt them. They had a, they, they had a pretty, again, like the, the game, against uh, Utah was again, a, a pretty rough game offensively for them. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like what we saw from them, like Baderink does not like Cal's defense right now at all. <laughs> and there's room. I mean, there's going to be some big adjustments. Like that's going to come. There's going to definitely be some bigger adjustments over these weeks um, as we get a little more data in. But I, I just, this Oregon state defense right now is sitting at 68, which is a decent number for them for where they've been. They're at 69 and effective rush 76 and effective pass. I mean, I, I do think that they've been, t- they, they were tested more. They were definitely Washington chose to test them more in the run. Right. Um, you know, than in the passing game, uh, the game where they, the game where they really struggled, uh, you know, uh, in a lot of ways, you know, defending, um, defending the pass was against Purdue, right? Like Purdue really threw the ball around on them, um, throwing for 313. 
um, in that game and 7.5, but I mean, you flip it around. I mean, they USC, they, they held USC for the most part in check. Um, you know, it helped that Slovis threw three picks. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I just, I, I think, I think Washington state is going to be able to move the football, uh, in this game. And I, I mean, this is actually going to be a pretty, I mean, for, for like this Washington state defense right now in beta rank is actually, I don't know that they're going to finish here, but I could see them finishing somewhere in like the forties or fifties. They're at 27 right now, 54 and effective rush, 16 and effective pass. That's what worries you with Washington state is like this defense is, is struggling against the run. Oregon state's going to line it up. They're at seven and effective rush. I think that even with this defense being a bit better, I think they're going to struggle with this Oregon state attack. Wait. So I, in my mind, I had it flipped. So what is their rush ranking? The deep, the Washington state defensive rushing ranking. Is it 54? Okay. And the, and the secondary is the good one. Yeah. And if you look at like their, um, their games, right? Like, uh, that they've had thus far, They've been able to, yeah, because it's like they were, they were like Dart had a big game against them, right? But like they, they, yeah, where's that coming from? Oh, you know what it is though? It's their yards for play, like their yards for their defense on their, on, on defense. They give up a lot more yards per yards per rush. Okay. Controlling for opponent. That's what it is. So like you can run the ball on them, just the teams that they've been up against uh, thus far have chosen to throw the ball a bit. Where are we at? And Cal man, Cal struggled, but I think you can run. I think you can run the ball on this team. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the Cougs. I think they can, I think they're going to be able to put up points at the over. Oh, you actually. know where it's, you know where that's coming from too, though. Cause you remember you were talking about, you think they could, you thought they could stop the run and then Utah ran on them. That's where it's coming from too. Utah ran for two twelve six point four. Ooh, that's rough. I think, yeah, give me the, like, give me the beefs. <laughs> I think, I think, I think even though this Washington state defense is improved, I think that that Utah game is a little bit of a harbinger. I think that they're going to be able to run the ball really well. I still don't trust Nolan. I think he's good for, what do you have to trust him with? He's, he barely has to throw the football. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do that though. Um, we'll, we'll see. I think that Washington state is going to keep this game close and I think they could have the opportunity to win this game at home. I'm not going to bet that, but I'll it's take three points. You do. Wow. Three and a half. I mean, I half. Cl- <laughs> I want that hook. Let it be known. <laughs> uh, well, he, here's why I think, I think Delora is going to, he, he's going to get his right. Like I, I, I just don't see a scenario where the beeves are really going to, I don't think that um, Washington State actually has a great running offense, but I do think yeah. that they're going to be able to put up points through the air, and I think it's going to force, I think it's going to force Oregon State to have to try to to keep up with them. We'll see. I think I don't know. I I think they're going to get. I think they're going to get to Nolan too. Um, but you're right. Like if, if if Oregon State just keeps running it over and over and over again, then you know. Um, shame on me, but I'll, I'll take the three and a half. Uh, they're at home. They're coming off. They finally got their win. I mean, what Washington State did really well in that Cal game was they really got pressure on Garbers, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but like they didn't because because Cal was behind too, like, and, and Cal has been throwing the ball a lot more with Musgrave. Like they didn't really commit to running the football. And I don't know that they necessarily have the offensive line to do it. Like Oregon state really does. Yeah. I'm still going to, I'm still going to take the kooks. All uh, right. A little, little bit, a little bit of a letdown for right. Like you're asking Oregon state to beat USC, beat Washington, and then go on the road and beat the kooks. Um, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I'll, t- I'll take the kooks. So we finally disagree on one. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Um, let's, let's talk a couple other teams here, Rob, before we, we close up shop. We, we should talk about Cal, right? We mentioned Whew. more of Washington state's portion of this, but my goodness, Rob, like, you know, Chase Garber's 14 to 30 for 152 and a pick hundred yards, total rushing against Washington state. I mean, they just got they just got beat in. I mean, this yeah. was just a straight up win by Washington State and, and Cal six points against Washington State's defense. Good luck with that moving forward. Yeah, this is a really really bad game for them. Um, you know, Washington State was able to get consistent pressure on Garbers. You know, fourteen of oh man, fourteen of thirty for one fifty two. I mean, this is an offense that was able to throw the ball pretty well against TCU. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> and they really did. They struggled to to throw the ball, um, and then they struggled to pick up Washington State's blitzes. Um, and they like their their running. You're right. Their their run game was really bad. Um, you know, only getting to to you know one 121 yards rushing. Um, even though they did they did. Well, I mean, if you take out the Garbers runs, they didn't they didn't run the ball a ton actually comparatively. But they were behind a good chunk of that game. I mean, I, I feel like Angus McClure, that hire, you know, has, has come back to haunt them a little bit. Um, and their defense, too, isn't grading out particularly well in beta rank. They're at 97 right now on defense after some pretty bad games. Um, it, yeah. That, and, like, that's the biggest problem, right? I mean. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> like. Right. Delore had two picks in that game. And they still won by, what, like 24 or 21 or something like that? Uh, right. <sighs> I mean, because that was the thing, like we talked about like Nevada, Nevada throw the ball all over him. TCU ran the ball all over him. You know, Washington was able to gut it out um, against them. And and I mean, I will say like, I mean, it is kind of interesting because like, you know, Garber's had a decent day minus the picks against Washington, you know, throwing the football around. Um, so I don't want to say it's like fully indicative that like Washington state was able to come in and just shut him down. Yeah. Um, but you definitely feel like, you know, and I, I don't know that Washington brought really consistent pressure against Garbers. I mean, that offensive, I mean the, you know, they're going to need to really work on their, their pickup, their blitz pickups and directing that offensive line, um, you know, in this, you know, before their next game comes along, because man, the book is, I mean, just like it was with, you know, Arizona with Gunnar Cruz holding the football, um, just blitz, you know, I mean, like you, you bring it, you know, bring out your exotic blitz packages, you know, send extra rushers, you know, run your stunts because that, I mean, Washington, or I mean, Cal's offensive line just crumpled. Yeah. Next, next week we should do a readjustment section where we're going through and saying, okay, I had, you know, Washington state's run defense at this and now it's here. Um, and just kind of go through because there's certainly been a lot that's changed 
uh, over the course of the year and, and more so than in past years because of COVID. So I think a lot of the, you know, prior ideas that we had of these teams were kind of based on four, <laughs> four game sample size. So yep. we're, and we're starting to see those things come to fruition. So we'll have to do that. Any, anything else, any other teams you want to cover before we close out here? No, I think we got everybody, you know, just only, only four games to watch this weekend. It's, it's almost leisurely. Yeah. Tune into the Saturday six on YouTube, sharp college football, YouTube page there, sharpcollegefootball.com where all of Rob's numbers are up and available to everybody for free. And you can take deep dives, shallow dives. You can do whatever you want with those numbers. Um, they are all available and Rob, we'll catch you next week.